Welcome into the Friday, November 10, 2023 installment of Market Plus. Ted Seifert's still with us here. Uh, Ted, uh, we had to talk about cattle in the, the main program. I, I didn't want to neglect hogs. Only, only a 30 cent loss makes it seem palatable. Yeah. <laughs> Relatively but speaking. They're still, you mentioned it, you kind of teased it during the discussion about hogs mm -hmm. because of China. Do you see a positive next couple of weeks in hogs? I see the potential for Chinese business coming in for buying our pork a little bit down the line. Right now, you're not going to see that because they've got a lot of pork coming to market for whatever reason. Now, we can argue what that is. Uh, but, I mean, look at their crush margins kind of falling apart. That, I think, is telling us something. There might be, and I'm not going to use the A word, but there might be something going on with their hog herd at the moment. Uh, which, again... They've might, used the word, I believe. Yeah, they? Right, yes. But Doesn't mean that it's they won't say how widespread and so on and so forth. Anywho, um, that might open the door for more of our pork exports down the line. But at the moment, you've got a lot of hogs coming to market there, so there's a lot of cheap pork up front. So looking further on down the line, there is some optimism there. And, so, and we really have had a nice bounce off the lows in front month pork as well. I think you do have that growing concern of a recession as we had into the fall and winter month, months. I think there's a lot of speculative traders, funds that are feeling like, hey, cheap pork might be a nice alternative to high-priced beef. We might see a, a healthy uptick in, in demand. Um, so I think there's some of that speculative trade coming in from a recessionary trade. Um, and ultimately, I, I really do feel like pork had gotten, or hogs had gotten just too cheap and that you mm -hmm. know, we're, we had been trading below what I'd call fair value for some time. Let's get to a few of the questions that came in from those of you out there. I appreciate it. Let's start with Brock in Iowa, who asked us on X the following question. Last year's basis levels seem to reach new levels. Basis seems to be tightening, even with some harvest activities wrapping up. Will the store and ignore capitalize, or will it be the earlier marketers? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the earlier marketers are few and far between. You're having a lot of this stored ignore activity happening right now. In fact, you go back to the first, uh, to September 1st quarter of the grain stocks report, which is old crop still, but we had 19% higher on-farm storage than the previous year at the end of our last marketing year, 16% higher in soybeans. Nobody wants to sell at these prices because we remember the prices that we've had for the last few years, the prices that we got to in June, or even the nice bounce that we had in July. Soybeans are the ones that are still up towards the higher end of the range, and the reason for that is because of dryness concerns in Brazil. But keep in mind, that Brazil crop is 53% planted. Basically, you've got a lot of people telling you that that Brazilian crop is dead, even though it's only about halfway planted. You can't really kill a bean crop in what would be their May timeframe. Uh, the concern is that it never rains again in Brazil, but it probably will. And when that happens, a lot of the gains that you've had in soybeans could vanish very quickly, uh, especially after the USDA increased the carryover from 220 to 245 today. So, all those things being considered, beans you really have to be looking at marketing, I'd say here and now. Corn, you know, you're, you're, you're standing on the edge of the abyss, right? And, and we're barely holding on. Although in the last two weeks, we've had new low, new low closes. I can't say contract low closes because the De December contracts trade forever, right? We, decide, we start trading December contracts four years out. So this December corn contract, three times uh, in the last 
six trade sessions, has put in a new, clo- new low close si- since September of 2021, more than two years. That's telling you something. I mean, we're not getting a, a decent bounce off of this low. We keep probing at it. We keep pushing at it. We got a report that was, you know, w- we could have used a more, really bullish number. Yeah, more crop. Didn't happen. Now you got to worry that this, this seasonal rally into the end of the calendar year, this post-harvest rally, I don't think that's going to happen. The reason why basis is tight right now is because nobody wants to sell because we don't like the prices. We know we paid a lot of money for this corn crop. It's the most expensive corn crop we've ever planted. We don't want to be selling at or near the red or near our break-evens or below our break-evens. But unfortunately, the outlook, I think, is for lower prices. I don't think we're going to get this seasonal rally. We we should have started it already if it was going to happen. And this report did not help with that. It's kind of like the questions I asked you the last time you were here because we were on a really, that was the beginning of the down that we've been on this run here. So when you keep saying it's probing lower, I guess uh, I'm going to flip here to Tim's question that he gave us on Facebook. And it kind of follows up, I think, the way your answer was, Ted. I wasn't expecting it. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Is it a good time to sell all beans and re-own on paper, putting a floor in? And how far would you go with a call? And you could also answer that for, for, for corn, too, if yeah, you want. Right, right, right. Uh, and I made a presentation last night giving this example for corn, although I'm not <clears throat> as enthusiastic about reordering corn because I'm not as, as, uh, not as, as friendly on corn going forward. But what I will say is that the main reason that guys aren't selling corn down here is because they really want to participate in higher prices if they happen. Well, okay, fine. Go out to uh, July 24, right? I mean, so uh, you can go out and own a 550, 650 call spread for roughly 13, 14 cents. That means that you can sell, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, so that means you can sell Dece 24, new crop corn, have downside protection in the, you've made the sales. Now you don't have to worry about the downside. Uh, and you were getting you know, 508, I think, at the end of the day today. Um, but now you have this upside potential for the growing season. If there is a problem with this next crop and we do go higher, you're going to participate in that upside. Your risk is only 14 cents there rather than risking potentially a dollar to a dollar and a half to the downside on your cash corn. I think that's a great idea. Um, and I think, by the way, that 14 cents probably expires worthless. But if that's a peace of mind that you want to have, then all for it. Different story on soybeans. You know, it's a paradigm. We, I, in my, what, 18 years of doing this, uh, I've never seen such a different set of fundamentals between corn and soybeans. You still, mm. you still do have a relatively tight situation in soybeans where you have a really big carryover in corn. Actually, I'm going to take that back. 2013... Uh, 13, 14, not 12, 13, but 13, 14. We saw the corn balance sheet really getting big again. But the tightest bean balance sheet wasn't 2012, 2013. It was the next year. We had a 92 million bushel carryover. That was below what we thought was pipeline at the time. Yet bean prices didn't really rally. And unfortunately, I feel like we might be in a very similar situation this year. That being said, South American weather, big problems there. If that really continues on, beans do have upside potential. So I do like the idea of selling cash beans here because likely it will start to rain in Brazil again at some point. And again, keep in mind, we're talking about a crop that's just getting planted right now. It's not like they're doing pod set. It's not getting killed at the moment. So I would sell here on the idea that if it rains, we can drop $2 in beans. But then also, if it doesn't rain, I like the idea of having upside potential. You can even just use the Jan contracts with 44 days on them. We'll know in the next 44 days if it's going to rain again in Brazil. I don't mind going further out in time, going out to, say, July, to get into our growing season as well. But 
the Jan calls are really fairly inexpensive. I think uh, I was getting 1380 calls uh, at the end of the day today for 16, 17 cents. I okay. think that is extremely reasonable. All right. Last question before we do one other thing. I want to ask Russ in Iowa, and it's a bigger picture question. Five years from now, Ted, who will be a more important ag trading partner for the United States? Will it be China or India? Wow. What a loaded question, Paul. One uh, minute. Yeah. No, you know what? Uh, I, I, think in it, I think India, because I think that China has designs on Taiwan, they're, they're, they continue to build up their navy and their army. I think they have plans to kind of remove themselves from the Western, Western world for a little, a little bit. If that doesn't happen, though, China has been a very good partner. They have a lot of need. I, I, I hesitate to write China off the equation, but again, it really depends on what their political motives are. All right, Ted Seifert, I want to ask you a question about something you already mentioned, or you mentioned most weeks that you're here, and ah. it's demand destruction. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a simple term, mm. but what does it mean to you, and why does a producer need to pay attention to it? All right. I think that's a, a, it's a very timely question because we've just come off of years of historically high prices, not historical highs, but at the historical high end of the range. And when you spend a lot of time at high prices, we use less. That destroys some demand, right? Because the products that you're making from these things, well, if they're not at high prices too, then it becomes lower profit margins and we use less. So when you have periods of high, high prices, you destroy some demand, and it can take a long time for demand creation to buy that demand back, because in demand creation, low prices are only part of the equation. You have to reinvest back into more, making more product and things like that. So demand destruction is a function of the market that lowers demand by the use of high prices. And again, that's a big thing about what we do on a daily basis, uh, demand destruction versus demand uh, creation. Ted Seifert. Good to see you. Pleasure's mine, Paul. Love being here. Thanks for making time for us. Always appreciate it. All right, next week, we are going to look at the economic relationship with one of our biggest trading partners, and we'll have the commodity market analysis of Naomi Bloom. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week.